from the number one best-selling author of Life Rescripted. You're now tuning in to the Year of Purpose podcast. I'm Zephan Moses Blacksburg. Jessica Beck can be found on Instagram under the username Beck What the Heck. She's a solo traveler who loves to break the traditional rules of travel and live to tell the story. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Hi! Hey, what's going on? So you are in sunny Florida right now. I'm sitting here in three feet of snow. So not fair right now, but uh, I'd love to talk about your adventures and just where you've been. You know, I think I discovered you through Instagram. There's all these really cool people that are just traveling the world and posting up pictures about it. Um, And, you know, solo travel is quite a neat thing that I've always been interested in. You know, I've done quite a bit of solo travel myself. And so I thought we'd just kind of share with everybody a little bit of your story and how you, uh, you know, first started traveling and, and, you know, where your inspiration to uh, explore the world comes from. And then uh, we'll dive into some travel tips. Yeah, sounds great. Awesome. So where did this first, you know, inspiration to, uh, to get out and see the world come from? Um, well, when I was really young, starting around the age of 11, I had started going on mission trips and I went to Peru, Australia, Mozambique, um, Switzerland. I I went to a few places at a really young age. And so that really kind of kickstarted my love for traveling and helped me to see the world as kind of a tangible thing it wasn't some far away made up place you know like oh Australia that's cool I've been there like you can go there it happened like you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean it's some people think that because it's so far away that you know it's this thing that's out of reach I remember I think the first place that I went to internationally was Israel and so it was like a 12 mm. or 13 hour flight and um, while that flight is, is the worst, like I've, I've always just hated any flights longer than like five or six hours. But like, <laughs> if you think about it, you can get halfway around the world in a day, you know, like it really doesn't take all that much. It's totally insane. So it's, it's something that's totally within reach. Um, where does the idea of solo travel come in? Because I mean, a lot of people are doing this now where they're just kind of like up and leaving their jobs and just going off on their own. You know, what's it like to be alone out there? Honestly, I I really love it. Um, I love the, the freedom that you have being by yourself. You know, sometimes when you travel with other people, you, there's a ton of times it's great to be with other people, but sometimes you almost start to feel suffocated and you want alone time and you want to be by yourself. And one of the things I love traveling by myself is that I go places and I make friends there and I have people to hang out with. Um, but then when I want that alone time and I want to just go off on my own adventure, like I came there by myself, I can just say, hey, I'm going to go out for a couple hours, I'll be back later and, you know, meet up with my new friends later and still have the freedom to do what I want. Right. So I guess there's no arguing over, you know, where are we going to go for breakfast or what are we going to eat for lunch Mm -hmm. and stuff like that? (laughs) That's got to be a huge help. So, you know, with travel obviously comes a lot of expenses and things. Um, you know, maybe share with us one of the big things that I really wanted to hit on was that, you know, you still have a job and it Mm -hmm. affords you these opportunities, which is such a great way to look at it. Um, you know, I pulled this from, there's a book called Vagabonding and it's about the art of long form travel around the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, a big thing that they say in there is that, 
we always look at our jobs and just dread them because, you know, it's work and it's something we don't really want to do. And of course, we want to be laying on a beach somewhere. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, your job is really kind of like this this vehicle or this tool that gets you to where you really want to be, which is on that trip. So maybe Mm -hmm. share with us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing for work and how you balance that out with your travels. Um, Well, I am a hairstylist, which is great because um, I kind of have a little bit more control over my schedule as far as taking time off of work. I can, um, as long as I know at least, you know, four to six weeks ahead of time, I can block, you know, a few days on my schedule and um, book my clients around that. And so what I do is I just work and work and save up enough money that I can to travel and save my tips and, you know, do whatever I can at home. I also got a second job, um, like hostessing as a, at a restaurant. And I actually did that more, I think, to keep me busy. So I wouldn't be spending my money than necessarily <laughs> to make money because I don't make a ton of money there. Um, but I just basically work until I have enough, just enough money saved to leave. And then I leave for however long and then, come back and go back to work. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like you get to take this extended break from work and then you come back to it and, and then you, you know, wash, rinse, repeat in a good way because you get to mm-hmm. do the things you really want to do. Um, mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. How do you uh, prepare yourself just for building up a savings and things like that? Or is this one of those things where it's like you save up just enough to go and, and then you just go for it? Um, so far, it's I've been saving up just enough to go and go for it but that's actually something I'm currently working on um this year I've started planning a trip that I want to take um that will probably happen in uh, not until October and I'm really taking this whole year to try to um be more careful about saving more money and kind of having a little bit extra so when I do go on these trips I'm not like you know if anything bad happens, I don't know what I'm going to do about it, you know? Right. So this year I've started, you know, making a savings plan. You know, if I, this is how much money, I'll, I'll roughly how much money I'll need. So I should save up, you know, if I need $1,000, I should probably save up around 1500 1700 something like that. And if I want to go in October, I need to put away this much every month. Right. I, like on top of whatever I'm paying for my bills and all that. There's actually a really cool thing that I've seen because a a friend of mine uses this. It's called Simple, and it's like a debit card where you (laughs) set these goals of how much you want to save, and each month it pulls a percentage out of the money you're putting into your bank account, and it puts it like towards that goal. So it's like having imaginary savings accounts in a sense, but like a different savings account for every goal, and it just like pulls a percentage out and says like, okay, like you had enough for this, but you didn't make enough this month to like put money towards that goal. Um, And that seems like a really cool idea. I like that he's doing that because he was uh, saving up for a trip to Budapest uh, that Uh happened a couple months back. And, you know, it's it's not the cheapest thing um, Mm -hmm. to do. So that I think that was a huge tool for him. Now, when you're figuring out how much all these trips are going to cost, obviously, it's very easy to figure out, you know, how much the flight is, Um, and where you're staying, how are you figuring out, you know, how much you want to spend on food and entertainment and things like that? Um, Well, one of the big things that I do is research through other people's blogs. Um, 
And you can find a lot of people that have blogs. Like the trip that I'm trying to plan right now is to Southeast Asia. So I'll search like travel blog, Southeast Asia budget or something along the lines of that. And there's a lot of people that say, you know, I just spent three months traveling around Southeast Asia. You know, I spent roughly this much money on food in this country. And it'll break it down by country and tell you roughly how much you'll need in um, like Nomadic Matt has a lot of good resources for budgeting for different destinations and he'll go into detail about this is, you know, how much you need if you want to eat out at nice restaurants or mm-hmm. this is how much you'll need if you're going to eat street food. And, um, and they'll do like the same thing for how much like average cost of hostels in the area and stuff like that. So I'll go in and figure out this is how many days I'm going to be gone. This is roughly like a rough estimate of how much you need for it um, and kind of use that as a baseline. So a lot of this stuff, it sounds like, is pretty calculated for the most part. Like you are doing your research. It's not just like, Mm -hmm. hey, let's get a plane ticket. See you guys later. Yeah. As much as I wish I could just do that, (laughs) (laughs) that wouldn't necessarily work out all the time. Yeah. um, Another thing that I do is um, I'll decide – ahead of time like the different like tours and stuff like that that I feel like I have to do on there obviously when you travel you have to be really flexible um but I'll say like for example the trip that I'm planning right now I want to make sure that I want to take a cooking class in um Bangkok so I've researched different ones and this is how much this is going to cost and I need a three-day pass for Angkor Wat in Cambodia and I'll get you know, I, like I'll make a separate, you know, budget plan for this is how much the activities that I feel like I have to do while I'm there are going to cost. So this is a whole separate lot of money outside of just my food money or my fun money. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. That's super smart to set that all up in advance. And, you know, maybe you don't book everything in advance, but at least you have a, a good idea of yeah. you know where you're going to go once you get there. Now, yeah. like... How are you spending your time at least, like, are you in hotels mostly? Are you in hostels? Like, where do you split up your time as far as where you stay when you travel? I stay in hostels when I travel. Um, Especially as a solo traveler, hostels are great because not only are they very affordable, there's all sorts of people there. There's going to – any other solo travelers are also going to be there. And a lot of times you can link up with other solo travelers and – run into different groups of people and it's a really great place to make friends. Um, they hostels usually also have really affordable options for food or they'll have kitchens that you can use if you want to cut costs by buying food at the grocery store and cooking it yourself. Um, hostels are, can be a really good resource for a lot of things that you need as a traveler, especially as a solo traveler. Yeah, and how about, you know, safety-wise? Because I'm sure that's just on people's minds um, just who haven't stayed in hostels or places like that before. I personally, I know everybody has different experiences, but I personally haven't had any um, experiences at hostels where I ever felt unsafe. I mean, they all have um, places to put your belongings, and they'll either provide locks or you can buy locks at some of them. I always bring a combination lock with me on my trips, and then if a hostel provides one, then I don't need to use it, and if they don't provide one, then I have one. So you can lock your stuff up so you don't have to worry about people stealing it. I mean, you're in a room with 12 other people, so if there's one person who you know, is trying to do something wrong, 
you know, they're surrounded by a bunch of other people all the time. You know what I mean? Right. So and it's found, not so easy. Yeah. And I found that my experience in hostels, everyone there is there for exactly the same reason that I am. They're all people traveling on a budget, you know, looking to have a good time, make friends, you know, see some cool stuff and have a cheap place to go to bed at night. Now, what do you do if one of those people snores? <laughs> <laughs> um, it happens. Um, it's just something that I guess you deal with. Um, I've heard of people bringing earplugs and stuff like that. I personally am not bothered by it too much. Maybe if I walk in to go to bed and somebody's already snoring, it could be inconvenient. But some, when you're traveling, most of the time you're so exhausted at the end of the night that there's not a lot that's going to prevent you from falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I guess that's part of it, you know, is traveling with other people and, uh, you know, random strangers from around the world. I bet it's a trade-off, you know, you never know who you're going to run into because there's some really cool people. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's, you do give up a couple of small creature comforts of, you know, mm -hmm. being at home in your memory foam mattress. <laughs> yes. I actually, um, I stayed at a hostel in New Orleans for Mardi Gras last year. I nice. went to Mardi Gras by myself. And I had only booked a bed for one night and decided I wanted to stay for two. And when I asked the front desk if I could extend, they didn't have any beds left. But they had so many people trying to stay that they opened up their day room. And because um, it was like it was a guest house or something, but they had dorm rooms. And so they opened up their day room and just set out cots and <laughs> put like for everyone that had reserved one, they just wrote their name on a piece of paper and gave it to you and you've set it on whatever cot you wanted to sleep on that night. So I literally one night slept on a cot surrounded by a bunch of other people on cots in a day room in the front by nice. the lobby of a hostel. <laughs> nice. That <laughs> sounds cool. It was cool. And it's kind of a cool story to tell. It definitely wasn't the most comfortable night of sleep that I've ever had, but it allowed me to have another day in New Orleans. It only cost me 30 bucks, whereas the rest of the hotels were going for upwards of 300. So I think it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 10 nights at this place is like one night at a hotel. So I mean, you can't beat it. And uh, it probably leaves you a lot of extra wiggle room with your budget so that you can do stuff locally and, and really get into the culture and experience stuff. Exactly. So when you're packing for these trips, how, you know, I, I usually think like to think that I'm pretty good at packing bags for going on trips. And then I end up, you know, leaving for the airport and realizing that I packed <laughs> enough clothes for a month. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, you know, what, what's your travel tips as far as making sure you're only bringing just enough? And are you, I've heard on some podcasts, you know, people will actually buy clothes when they get to a certain location mm -hmm. um, just to have, you know, cool new stuff and, and not have to travel mm -hmm. with it when they're on their way there. So what are you doing when you're packing uh, not only clothes, but toiletries and everything else you have to bring? Yeah. See, this for me was a challenge. I just did a um, like a three week long trip in Central America. And when I was looking for travel tips, I had a really hard time because they were all um, written by guys. And guys can pretty much get away with wearing a t shirt and shorts anytime to any place and wearing the same thing over and over again. And as a girl, I was like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, <laughs> I mean, I could, but I, I don't like to. And I probably should if I want to pack better. But what I did, um, as far as clothes go, I would bring, like, 
a couple pairs of shorts and a few different shirts that were all versatile and could all be mixed match worn over and over again things that could double as like something to wear to the beach and something to wear out um so just pack like multi-purpose clothes yeah. don't bring any like occasion specific things to wear because when you're not at that occasion, then it's just taking up space. And when you're carrying a backpack, space is also weight and extra stuff you're lugging around from place to place. And um, as far as toiletries went, I brought for my hair like a cleansing conditioner instead of bringing shampoo and conditioner. Um, also, at Lush, they sell shampoo and conditioner in um, like bars, like bars of soap, but it's not. It's actually you know, good for your hair and stuff like that, which I'm a hairstylist, so that's, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think about this stuff. Um, but in that way, you have a lot that's going to last you a long time, and you don't have to worry about if you're only bringing carry-on, how many ounces it is, stuff like that. Um, so that is something really helpful to know. And, you know, I will bring, like, as far as shoes, like one pair of flip-flops, a pair of hiking boots, if I'm going to be hiking, and that was it for my whole trip. And I wore my hiking boots whenever I was going from place to place. So I never had to pack them and flip flops don't take up hardly any space. Right, right. Yeah. I, I'm always worried about what to pack because it's and it always depends on where you're going, right? You know, if you're mm -hmm. going somewhere warm, it's so easy to just pack like a light jacket, t-shirt and mm -hmm. jeans and be done with it. But, yeah. you know, even I'm just getting ready to go to Arizona here next weekend. And I mean, it goes up to like 65 during the day, but it can go down to like 25 a night. So it's, you yeah. know, you kind of have to be versatile. And I've actually found that uh, those multi-layer jackets jackets like winter coats where they have an outer shell and an inner shell are uh -huh. so helpful sometimes because you know if you want a lighter jacket you just unzip it out of the the outer layer and you've just got like a lighter jacket or if you need a raincoat mm -hmm. or something like that it's super helpful yep and when I was on my last trip I spent part of it um in some of the colder places of Panama like in Boquete and um, like in the La Fortuna Cloud Forest at a place called Lost and Found Lodge. So I also had to bring some stuff that was going to be warmer because it's not that cold there. But like we said, I'm from Florida and <laughs> I think 65 is like pretty cold. Um, and so I have like a, a really thin but warm jacket from um, North Face and it doesn't take up a ton of space and it's waterproof and it's really warm and it's a windbreaker and that was like a lifesaver and then I brought a hoodie that I, I wore it in the airport and I wore it in the plane so I didn't have to actually you know really pack that in the airport places and um, I think I brought one other really thin um, just rain raincoat jacket that wasn't really for warmth as much as it was just waterproof well, you brought up two really good points there. Um, I think that people undervalue what they're actually wearing onto the plane. You know, mm -hmm. more often than not, I'm packing stuff in my bag and planning for the week, but I'm not thinking about the fact that I've got a whole outfit that I'm wearing onto the plane. So, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm only gone for like five or six days and only need one pair of jeans, I'll wear that onto the plane. And then that's one thing that I don't have to pack in my bag. Yeah. Um, 
And, and so that's always been super helpful for me is planning, you know, maybe like whatever I wear on the plane going there, I'll wear on the plane back too. So mm-hmm. I can wear it multiple times and, you know, who cares what I smell like, except for the person who's next to me on the plane, as long as I don't <laughs> stink, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if I've worn the clothes twice or not. And then you also brought up a good point about how, you know, North Face jackets, they're, they're not cheap. Like, you, you know, they're usually like two, three hundred bucks. But I think that's one of those purchases where it's like it, it's such a good investment because you buy it yeah. once and those things last forever. Exactly. And that's exactly what I said when I bought mine. I said, this is lightweight. It's small. It's multi-purpose, and It's going to last me forever. And bonus, I bought mine at a North Face outlet. And so it was only like 80 bucks. Oh, well, there you go. That's perfect. Yep. <laughs> So what are you doing when you get to these places where, you know, obviously you're traveling to tons of different countries that have different languages being spoken. Um, What are you doing as far as just communicating and, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, someone doesn't sell you like a $50 cup of coffee? Well, um, one of the good things about like I've pretty much on my last trip in Central America followed like a pretty well-known backpackers route. it's called the Gringo Trail, but it's if you follow these places that are pretty well known for tourism, um, when you get there, there's going to be a lot of people that speak both languages. Um, a lot of people that run businesses over there, they know that they're dealing with tourists, and they, if you know a little bit of Spanish or whatever language it is, and they know a little bit of English, you can usually communicate. And also, you know, like I said, at hostels and stuff, even if you don't go to a hostel, but if you're making friends there, like you can make friends with people who are who speak both languages. I met a girl um, from Mexico on a bus in Costa Rica going the same you know, general direction as me, and we stayed together, and I don't speak Spanish, but she's from Mexico, so she spoke Spanish and English, and she was able to translate for me and help me get where I needed to go and um, stuff like that. So a lot of times, you know, you just kind of find people that speak both languages and, you know, just, and body language is important. You know, if you work to communicate, usually you can figure something out. Yeah, I think that the language barrier isn't really as big of a problem anymore. And even so, it's very easy to use, you know, hand gestures or or body language, much like you said. Um, You know, if you're trying to order something out at a market or something like that, it's easy to just point and show them how many you want, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's getting easier and easier as the years go by. Um, Let's talk a little bit about some of just the different places that you've been to, any places that you highly recommend, and then uh, just any other sort of travel tips that come up as you go along. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, places that I recommend as far as travel within the U.S., I really like Savannah, Georgia a lot. Um, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of history there. There's good stuff to do and it's beautiful. It's a great place to walk around and, um, you know, just kind of relax and sightsee and do stuff like that. And I think that it's, kind of underrated. I don't think people realize how fun it is and how cool it is until they go there. And so it's not like an overrun tourist spot that's got, you know, souvenir shops on every corner. Right. But it's still nice and fun and pretty and worth the trip. And there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, Also, I am a huge fan of New Orleans. I think I went three times last year. But it's just so much fun. 
even like the culture is just really different. I mean, it's still the United States. It's not like you're going to culture shock or anything, but you know, they have, you know, city, like, you know, city specific food. They have like, it's just the whole experience is really cool over there. Um, like if you go to Frenchman Street in New Orleans, you can see some really good music, like jazz music, and there's good food. And, you know, if you just walk around the French Quarter during the day, you got all these street performers and people playing music. Or I saw one guy out there set up a boombox and do, like, this whole, like, acrobatic breakdancing routine nice. that was cool and like, there's just so much to see and do there that I think is really awesome. Um, let's see. I don't know. Those are probably my top two that I visited in the U U.S. over this past year. Um, like I said, I just got back from a trip in Central America, and I went to Panama and Costa Rica, and it was really great. Um, if I have any piece of advice for anybody going to Panama to make sure that they visit the Lost and Found Lodge, it's a hostel that's in the La Fortuna Cloud Forest. Um, and I actually found it in the Central America on a Shoestring Lonely Planet guidebook. And it was just, it's so beautiful and there's so much to do. They have guided tours that are still really affordable. And they also have um, like, free day trips of places to go that they'll give you maps to and tell you how to get to. Um, like I went to the river canyons and went swimming and that was really awesome. And it didn't cost you anything while you're there, um, to do that. And they have, um, it's just, it's really cool. It's in the forest and you have to hike like 20 minutes to get there. Um, it, it was a really good experience and everyone that I met that was there that I met a lot of people said they hadn't been planning on going there and they heard about it from someone else. So they decided to stop to give it a chance. And it was by far the best thing they did in Panama. Nice. I didn't meet anyone who was unhappy with their time there. There was so much to do and it's beautiful. Like the view in the morning, like of the mountains right in front of you. It's just, it's awesome. It's really, it's really awesome. And yeah. it's a hostel, so it's pretty cheap. So yeah. that's another plus. <laughs> no, that's a huge plus. I mean, it's and that's definitely one of the places on my list. Um, a, a friend of mine, someone who we also just had on the podcast recently, uh, Kamanzi Constable, he just, uh, I think he went to Panama like two or three times because he went there once and then the company that he spoke at, they were like, oh man, we have to bring you back. So I think they actually mm -hmm. paid to send him back. Nice. Um, but yeah, really cool place. Definitely on my list. And uh, as we round off this episode, you know, this has been awesome. Just any sort of final words of encouragement for people who, uh, you know, want to take the leap and want to experience the world. And, you know, maybe they're afraid of what their friends or family will think of them for, for taking a break from their job or their life. You know, I know that was a huge piece for me when I started traveling was that I was worried what other people would think or say about me because, you know, I'm basically putting my, my work and my friends and life on hold for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to know um, that you don't have to wait for somebody else to go with you. Like if at the end of your life you have all these things that you wish you had done and the only excuse you have for not having done them is I didn't have anyone to go with me, like that's that's not – I don't think that that's enough of an excuse to not do something. And if you're worried about what people will say or how your family will react and all that stuff, I mean – 
honestly, it's it's your life and the things that you want to do. It's not because you love them or care about them any less. You know, it's important that you live your life and see the things that you want to see and do the things that you want to do. And I know that it it helped my family a lot, just the amount of research and stuff that I put into some of my bigger trips because then when they were, you know, were coming up with all these safety concerns and all these questions about everything and I could give them sound, solid answers, um, that helped a lot because that helped them and myself feel like I wasn't going in totally blind. Right. And I think that's one of the things when families and friends aren't supportive of going on long trips like this, they're they're really just, they love you and they're worried about your safety and that you're, you know, thinking things through. And if you can show them that you are and that you do understand that there are risks involved, but you know how to deal with them, you know, I think that that does a lot. Yeah, I'm sure that says a lot because it, it really shows that, you know, this isn't just uh, leaving on a whim. You know, this is something mm-hmm. that you've really looked into and taken the time uh, to research. So that's awesome. I think that's great advice. And uh, that's something that I really advise anybody to do is even though it might seem to the outside that you just bought a plane ticket and up and left, uh, mm-hmm. really just do your research and, and figure out um you know, bare minimum, some good safe places to stay, uh, mm-hmm. some awesome places to visit and eat. And uh, the rest, you know, just be be going in with an open mind so that, uh, you know, you never know who you're going to run into or what adventures you're going to get invited out on. So mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's exactly it. And if you everywhere nowadays has Wi-Fi, you could tell people, I'll check in when I get to every hostel I'm staying at or when I get wherever. Every time I have Wi-Fi, I'll send a Facebook message so you know I'm okay. And you can regularly check in with people while you're there, and that helps a lot too. Awesome. Well, that that's a huge help knowing that Wi-Fi is uh, pretty much everywhere now. And it's great that we've gotten to that point because I'm sure, you know, five, ten years ago it wasn't as easy. So that's cool mm-hmm. to know that. Well, Jessica, what's the best place for people to keep track of your adventures? I know I found you through Instagram and you go to some pretty cool places and take photos of it all. So what's the best place for people to keep track of uh, where you're headed to and what you're doing next? Yes, best place for me is Instagram. My name is Beck What the Heck, and also my blog, www.beckwhatheheck.com. Um, there I post about all my adventures and what I'm doing, where I'm going. You'll see some of my pictures there that you didn't see on Instagram and vice versa. So both of those ways are good ways to keep a track of me. (laughs) Good stuff. Well, thanks so much for being here. And, uh, where are you headed to next? Next, I, my next big one is going to be Southeast Asia. Prior to that, I'll probably be in Savannah a couple more times, probably New Orleans again this August. And hopefully the keys sometime soon. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you're really enjoying that warm weather down there. So I'm feeling yes. a little bit jealous here, <laughs> stuck inside with this three feet of snow outside. But thanks for being here with me today. And uh, it's mm-hmm. been great connecting. And I hope we stay in touch. Yes, me too. I'm sure we will. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, everyone. It's Zeph. Did you like this episode? Be sure to subscribe so that you can tune in next week and tell a friend about the show. If you want access to free training and exclusive interviews on success, happiness, lifestyle design, and adventure, visit me at yearofpurpose.com. Until next time, go out and let life surprise you so that you can live a life rescripted. scripted